This is the More Than Right Podcast, an independent view of politics and American culture. I'm your host, Steve Lopez. It was June 1971, and the United States Supreme Court had just issued a landmark ruling declaring as unconstitutional the conviction of anti-Vietnam War activist Paul Cohen for disturbing the peace. In overturning Cohen v. California, the High Court said Cohen was well within his First Amendment right to wear a jacket displaying the words, Fuck the Draft, while inside a California courthouse. On the 13th of that same month, the New York Times published the first installment of the U.S. government's secret history of America's military involvement in Vietnam. A study commissioned in 1967 by former U.S. Defense Secretary Robert S. McNamara, a top-secret government account with the bloodless bureaucratic title, Report of the Office of the Secretary of Defense, Vietnam Task Force, a 47-volume literary behemoth that today is simply called the Pentagon Papers. The administration of President Richard M. Nixon asked the courts, successfully, to issue an injunction preventing the Times from publishing more installments of the top-secret report. Eventually, however, the issue went before the U.S. Supreme Court. In its 6-3 ruling in New York Times v. United States, the High Court said, quote, Both the history and language of the First Amendment support the view that the press must be left free to publish news, whatever the source, without censorship, injunctions, or prior restraints, unquote. It was a clear victory for the First Amendment and the New York Times. Twenty minutes after the ruling, New York Times managing editor A.M. Rosenthal told reporters, quote, I think that people in the press, people in government, and people in the public will see as a result of this whole case that a great deal of information is classified for no real national security interest. And I think the move will be in the direction of more information rather than less, unquote. When a reporter asked if the antagonism between the press and the U.S. government was healthy for our democratic republic, Rosenthal said, quote, To a great extent, I think it is. I do not think we'll ever see the day nor should we see the day when we're in bed together, unquote. Well, that was then, and this is now. Today, the press and the permanent administrative state, some call it the deep state, are very, very cozy bed partners. Matt Taibbi, a freelance journalist who has worked for such diverse publications as The Nation, Rolling Stone, Playboy, and The New York Press, is or was until recently, a good man of the political left. But then came Donald Trump. Taibbi's left-leaning credentials came into question by fellow press scribblers when he questioned allegations saying President Trump colluded with Vladimir Putin's Russia. Just a month after Trump assumed office, Taibbi wrote in the pages of Rolling Stone, quote, When it comes to the collusion investigation, there are serious questions. A lot of our civil liberties, protections, and rules of press ethics are designed to prevent exactly this situation, 
in which a person lingers for extended periods of time under public suspicion without being aware of the exact nature or origin of the accusations. It's why liberal thinkers have traditionally abhorred secret courts, secret surveillance, and secret evidence, and in the past would have reflexively discouraged the news media from printing the unverified or unverifiable charges emanating from such secret sources. But because it's Donald Trump, no one seems to care. Unquote. He may not have known it at the time, but Taibbi had just encountered the early inklings of the media's Trump derangement syndrome. Michael Grainbaum of the New York Times expressed the bewilderment of mainstream reporters at Taibbi's even-handedness and natural skepticism of claims Trump was a spy for Moscow. Quote, Once a major voice of the political left, Mr. Taibbi rose to prominence by presenting himself as an unencumbered truth-teller. He is perhaps best known for labeling Goldman Sachs a vampire squid in an article that galvanized public outrage toward Wall Street. But his commentary about former President Donald J. Trump diverged from the views of many Democrats. For instance, he was skeptical of claims of collusion between Russia and Mr. Trump's campaign, and his fan base shifted. Unquote. Implicit in that paragraph is the assumption that it's the job of the mainstream media to parrot Democratic Party talking points and play to its political fan base. For Taibbi, it was a startling realization that America's so-called free press had joined forces with Democrats and the FBI's counterintelligence division to unseat the 45th President of the United States. A two-year investigation by special counsel Robert Mueller resulted in a 400-page report which concluded that, quote, the investigation did not establish that the Trump campaign coordinated with the Russian government in its election interference activities, unquote. And with that, Matt Taibbi's initial doubts about the Trump-Russia collusion upheaval proved correct. It turned out the entire affair was a manufactured disinformation campaign waged against Trump by the U.S. intelligence community and their allies in the press. Strange bedfellows, indeed. But the unprecedented partnership between shadowy government agencies and the media came into sharper focus after billionaire Elon Musk purchased social media platform Twitter. Long accused of censoring and banning conservative content and medical views contrary to the COVID-19 dictates of Washington's science bureaucrats, Musk promised Twitter's users he'd launch an investigation into the matter. Among the five independent journalists Musk tasked with investigating Twitter's wrongdoings were Michael Schellenberger and Matt Taibbi. The explosive exposés became known as the Twitter files. But the most shocking revelation gained little attention among mainstream journalists or the public. Schellenberger discovered that during the summer of 2020, three months before the presidential election, Colorado's Aspen Institute held what it called a hack-and-dump working group in the fashionable resort town. The purpose of the meeting was to develop strategies to help the mainstream media combat what it called the, quote, Barisma leak, unquote. Among the attendees were David McCraw of the New York Times, Alan Nakashima of the Washington Post, Noah Schachtman of Rolling Stone, 
and content moderation executives Joel Roth of Twitter and Nathaniel Gleicher of Facebook. The think tank of liberal elites had clearly been tipped off that a big story was about to break before the 2020 presidential election, and that story concerned then-Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden's son, Hunter. And so, the Aspen Working Group of mainstream journalists engaged in war-gaming scenarios to coordinate counterattacks against any embarrassing revelations that might spoil Joe Biden's chance at pushing Trump out of the White House. A document from the working group says its goal was to break what it called the, quote, Pentagon Papers principle, unquote. As the working group document states, quote, Since Daniel Ellsberg's 1971 leak of the Pentagon Papers, journalists have generally operated under a single rule. Once information is authenticated, if it is newsworthy, publish it. How it was obtained is of secondary concern to the information itself. In this new era, when foreign adversaries like Russia are hacking into political campaigns and leaking material to disrupt our democracy and favor one candidate, journalists need to abandon this principle." Still suffering the effects of Trump derangement syndrome, these high-ranking members of the media continued operating under the delusion Trump was an asset of Moscow and they must save American democracy from Russian disinformation, one designed to embroil an innocent Hunter Biden in a scandal detrimental to his father's presidential ambitions. So, let's connect the dots. When the FBI took possession of Hunter Biden's laptop in December of 2019, they knew the contents were real, and the computer repairman who had kept it in lieu of payment also made several copies. And since they were investigating Trump attorney Rudy Giuliani at the time, FBI wiretaps surely alerted them that the former New York City mayor had a copy of Hunter's laptop hard drive in his possession and was in contact with New York Post reporter Miranda Devine. Devine would go on to write the bombshell exposés of Biden family corruption, stories Twitter and Facebook banned from their platforms, stories 51 former U.S. intelligence officials claimed in an open letter were the result of Russian disinformation. A few days ago, Just the News broke the following story about a leaked CIA email. Quote, In a rare and candid email exchange between two former CIA bosses, Michael Morell told John Brennan in October of 2020 that he was organizing a letter of 51 intel experts claiming the emergence of the Hunter Biden laptop was a Russian influence operation because he wanted to give Joe Biden's campaign a talking point to push back on Donald Trump during the last presidential debate of the 2020 election, unquote. You see, it turns out all the election interference we've been warned about since 2016 was not on the part of Russia, but unelected U.S. intelligence agencies and their bet partners in the mainstream media. The Pentagon Papers principle is dead. Elon Musk and the independent journalists of the Twitter files have proven that. According to the Gallup polling organization, quote, the current level of public trust in the media's full, fair, and accurate reporting of the news is the second lowest on record, unquote. Distrust of the media stands at 66 percent. 
Irony of ironies, Daniel Ellsberg, the Rand Corporation researcher who leaked the Pentagon Papers to the New York Times in 1971, is a co-founder of the Freedom of the Press Foundation and currently sits on its board of directors. The irony continues with the following statement posted on the organization's About page. Quote, Freedom of the Press Foundation aims to protect and promote the basic human right of freedom of the press, both in the United States and abroad, in a world where surveillance, censorship, manipulation are becoming more sophisticated and more pervasive, unquote. Yes, authoritarian evils aided and abetted by America's so-called free press. That concludes this edition of the More Than Right podcast. Should you wish to leave a comment, you can reach us at morethanrightpodcast at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes. It will help promote the podcast and be much appreciated. Until next time, this is Steve Lopez. Steve Lopez